Welcome to More Than a Mission, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to discern God's calling to live an active, intentional life of sharing the gospel. Each week, we talk about the way God is moving in our lives, around the world, and everywhere in between, as well as how God's call to missions may apply to your life. Ready to explore your calling? Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the More Than a Mission podcast. Today is June 22nd. We're recording the day after Father's Day. I'm here once again with the dreamer, Isaiah Henderson. What's up, guys? And Mr. I Like to Step on Nails, Andrew Carlberg. <laughs> Good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Andrew, you want to dive into that uh, nail story here? <laughs> mm, you know, I could leave him guessing, but uh, all right, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say when you when you sent us that text, I, all I could picture was uh, remember in Home Alone where mm, the one yep. dude's walking up the steps and like falls back. Yeah, the kid put the sticky stuff on the steps, so like his shoes yep. come off, then the socks come off, socks. and then boom, nail. <laughs> That's what I thought of when you sent us that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah if y'all are wondering i was uh walking through my kitchen two nights ago yeah saturday night and there's like this little step down into my living room that has like a metal strip that goes from the wood to where the carpet is up to nail down and apparently one of the nails was real loose i was walking over it at midnight so all the lights are off and i like picked this nail up a little bit sliced the absolute heck out of my toe Walk to my room because I'm like, mm, that hurt, but I can't see anything. It's <laughs> my bathroom, turn on a light. I'm like gushing blood everywhere. So I yep, have gone about super gluing it together, but then I spent a good 30 minutes trying to get all the blood out of the carpet that I didn't oh. know was dripping everywhere. Yikes. Yikes. Yikes is right. Man. Well, guys, it's uh, the day after Father's Day. <laughs> How was y'all's weekend? You guys do anything special for your fathers? Game McCall. Really. <laughs> I'll be seeing him next weekend. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You do anything entertaining? Uh, not too much. I just came home to my parents' house. Uh, my brother and I cooked up some dinner for the family. Had some chicken, uh, chicken fajitas and made some guacamole. Fun fact, my dad has never had guacamole before. So that was very wow. interesting. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he walked in the kitchen and like grabbed a chip and, and started dipping it and goes, what kind of dip is this? He's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> the real so, question, yeah. will you have no, guacamole again? Uh, I think so. He said he liked it. Mm. I was just trying to figure out if I was actually his son or not after that. <laughs> 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 oh, and then... My brother got my dad this like a one of them big cookie cakes, and this little turd gets one that says, "Happy Father's Day, Dad. Sorry about all your other kids. At least you have me." <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, he thinks yeah. he's clever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. So tonight, I'm very excited to record tonight's episode. Tonight, we're going to be talking about promises. Like promises throughout the Bible, um, what some things that are, are near and dear to our hearts uh, for the three of us, uh, things that we've grown up 
holding on to uh, throughout our daily lives. And to be honest, when we decided that we were going to do this topic uh, for this week, the more and more like I dove into what I was going to bring to the table, like I just envisioned this to be kind of like one of our like world race squad Bible study Zoom calls. Like we have this this uh, topic that it's centered around and everyone's going to bring something new to the table and we're all going to learn from each other. So I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what y'all have to say. Especially it's just more like a longer term overarching like throughout your life as opposed to like what you're just currently looking at. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anyone want to kick us off here? Start with their what they're bringing? <laughs> I have a lot, but before I get into any of them, uh, there is a passage that like really stands out to me about like, I don't know, just like the meaning of a promise in scripture uh, that I think would be cool to share before we actually like start sharing our promises. Um, Cause I don't know, it's just easy to think about like for me, like I can, I've broken promises in my life. Right. And so like the meaning of a promise can like lose like the full depth of it just thinking about it from like a human perspective um but there's this really cool passage in genesis 15 where it's like the covenant with abraham and it's just this like <laughs> it seems really weird what happens but the meaning behind it is like super beautiful and how it like tells us that like jesus will fulfill promises and so this covenant happens abraham it gets put into a deep sleep and he has this vision of an animal being split in two which like that was the custom for how covenants were made back in the day um it was to like say people would literally split an animal in two and then have to walk through the middle of it and the whole point was you were saying like if i break this promise if i go back on it like may i be torn in two like this animal and so both people would walk through but abraham has this vision and he sees a fire pot and a torch walk through the covenant like through the animal and then, like, that's it. Abraham never has any involvement. And so it's just this, like, super beautiful imagery pointing to Jesus that, like, Jesus walks through this thing twice as the fire pot and the torch. And it's, like, Jesus saying, if I go back on this promise, my commitment to you, may I be torn in two. But then, like, also, if you go back on this, like, may I still be torn in two for you. Um, and so just, like, there is just so much depth and truth to i mean i think of the passage that tells us that like even when we're faithless he remains faithful just like the beauty of a promise when it comes from jesus is that like he holds true to his end of the bargain like even if we fail in it wow yeah that's good man that's good thank you for sharing that thank you for uh, getting us started with that little that little intro passage there and now we're going to kick it to zaya and have hey. him share oh, okay. yeah man sweet so one of the promises that i really like doing or like talking about especially now more than ever is in john chapter 14 and pretty much 15 on to 30. it's like how god is talking about how the holy spirit is coming and how, or the advocate is coming in place of Jesus because Jesus is about to be crucified and goes away back to the Father. And seeing how he's sending us a helper to provide 
that middle ground or intercedes for us when we can use the helper to talk to God and talk to Jesus through the helper. And back when I was younger, didn't really think about seeing the Holy Spirit as an actual person. I just thought like, oh, it's a thing type of thing. Not really thinking about it type of thing. I was young. <laughs> and now about, especially after doing the, what's it called? Like, what's it called? I forgot what it's called. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. But <laughs> after doing it, um, after doing that, I learned about it was called the God I Never Knew. So doing that, it actually shows like, oh, the Holy Spirit is a person that lives inside of you, which is kind of weird. <laughs> but it shows that he helps you pray if you need help praying and how he intercedes with you. He pretty much your conscience. Like that's who tells you like right from wrong. And people will be very deterred from it because it's something you can't see and they don't know him, but we know him because he lives in us. So I like that promise. Yeah. I still can't think of what I was going to say. <laughs> Devotional. That's for sure the word you were yep. looking for. <laughs> that's definitely the word I was going for. <laughs> Mm. No, that's super good, Zaya. And I think, especially in my past experience, Holy Spirit is something that I've kind of, I don't want to say neglected, but put on the back burner a little bit. Like, I think it's so easy to focus on the Father and the Son, but yet the Holy Spirit is something that, like you said, lives in us daily. And so I don't know if it's just easy, like, if I, taking it for granted is like the right word to say there, but just often looked, looked over. That's for sure. At least in my experience. Yeah. I mean, shout out Francis Chan. There's like literally a book <laughs> that he wrote called forgotten God. Like mm -hmm. at least, I mean, for sure in America, it is like a huge norm to just talk about father and son and just kind of like forget about Holy spirit. And it, I think partly comes from like, it's just so easy for us to like, think about like the moment of salvation. And then like the moment when we get to heaven and we're just like kind of enduring until then when like in reality, we're invited into relationship like now. Yeah. I just find it so fascinating how like God or Jesus said like he gets in the helper and he doesn't really say who it is, but he said like he will come and, like do this for you and everything. So that really opened my eyes saying, oh, like this is an actual person. Like even though it made sense knowing naming the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it didn't just say the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit. So it's saying that that's this title and everything. So I really like that. Yeah. yeah I'm going to have a couple passages on that. We don't, <laughs> I'll just chime in on y'all because it'll probably take me <laughs> a different point. Um, Mine are like kind of broken into three sections, one being on identity, one being on prayer, and one being on like our role now in being called to evangelism. But to like the prayer and evangelism section, both like huge notes on Holy Spirit, like you just said, Zaya, in Romans uh, 8.26 is the main verse that speaks into like intercession. But it literally tells us, like quoting Romans 8.26, is in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless grounds. And like, 
I just think that is like such a comforting promise to know, like there are so many moments in my life where like, whether it's praying over other people or for myself, like I have no idea. Or I just think about like moments where I have like prayed for something that like, if it would have happened, I would be miserable now. And so to just like know that like Holy Spirit is constantly interceding for me in a way that like perfectly aligns with the father's heart when like I can so easily not like step into praying in that way. Um, And just like the beauty of, I don't know, even just like the imagery of it being like wordless groans. It's just this like the father and Holy Spirit are so connected that like a wordless groan is enough for like the Holy Spirit to come on our behalf in intercession. And then the second thing again, say you kind of just mentioned, but it's John 16, seven, where Jesus like literally tells us that it is better for the Holy Spirit to be here than for Jesus to be here himself. And that like is just so mind blown if you think about it. Cause I like sit and I think about like, man, if Jesus was like walking with me, I would just like walk into every hospital, start laying hands on people, praying healing. Like he's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants to do. Like I would be so confident in what I was doing. And yet like for Jesus himself to tell us that like it is better for us to have the Holy spirit than for him to be here with us in the flesh. It's just like mind blowing. But then you get into like the promises that we have, like it even goes further. Jesus says that, like we will do like greater things than he did through the Holy spirit. Like it's, it doesn't even make any sense. Um, but like, then you like start looking into the promises that say I was talking about with the Holy spirit. Like, they are some bold promises and to like actually stake your life on that and like believe that like if you, if we really do, like we would walk in incredible confidence. Um, and then like the last thing being like part of the great commission, like, right. We're told to like go and make disciples of all nations, all, all tribes, tongues and nations. And then like immediately after that, Jesus tells the disciples to go and wait for the Holy spirit, like in the upper room. And so it's just this like, that doesn't make any sense. You said go, but then you said, wait, like in the same breath. It's like the idea that like we are called into lives of action and to go, but like to go without Holy spirit, without listening, without following his leading, like is worthless. And so it's just this like weird tension of like, yes, being called to go, but also being a like completely open-handed in that and trusting that like Holy spirit's going to show up. That's a scary thing because it like means you have to walk in complete uncertainty. But like, right. The beautiful promise is that like we're told that like it is better for him to like for us to be walking with Holy spirit than for Jesus to be here in the flesh. I think the going and waiting thing is something that we can definitely relate to right now as well in our season, you know, just where we were, we're feeling called to go on the world race. But yet it, it, when a lot of us signed up for it, it was almost a year before we were actually leaving. And so this time of like waiting and preparation, and I think I shared a little bit about this on our last podcast episode with Austin, but in my past missions experiences, like I struggled to let myself like open up and like fully experience the, like the worship and the like praising the Lord from the cultures that we were in. And so I think having this time now to spend with you guys for one and to 
allow myself to open up to all of you so that I'm not starting from square one. Like when we, when we launch as well as um, having the training camp that the world race puts on for us. I think it's just huge in terms of preparing ourselves and preparing our hearts for what we're about to encounter and what the Lord is about to do in us and through us. Yeah. I mean, I, I say the, let you go a second. Say I have one more verse written down about waiting. Like and it's, <laughs> Psalm 25, three tells us that like those who wait on the Lord, like will not be put to shame. Yeah. And so like that can be truthfully hard to like <laughs> believe at times. Uh, just when you feel like you've been waiting on the same thing for like years and years, but then you look at scripture and you're like, Wow, they just waited for like 40 years. I've waited for like two months. And like, like it's been forever. Um, Dude, but that yeah, is exactly what I'm going to talk about tonight. So I love that you brought that up. <laughs> I'll, be your, I'll be your segue, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I guess I'm up. <laughs> so the the verse that I wanted to bring to the table tonight and the promise that I wanted to focus on is this promise that the Lord has a plan for us that like, he has everything mapped out before we even were born and brought to this earth. He knew exactly what we were going to go through and why we needed to go through that and how everything that he's putting us through is going to work for his glory. And so one verse that I've always clung, clung to growing up is Jeremiah 29 verse 11. And I'll read that one for you guys. Uh, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I think it's so easy for people to look at that verse and like, yes, it's super uplifting, like you're just looking at the words, but it's so easy to kind of misconstrue what is being said in that verse if you don't look at the context around it. Um, and so the context around this verse is kind of the complete opposite of this huge uplifting promise, whereas the people of Israel are stuck in captivity in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And Jeremiah is the prophet for the people of Israel at the time. And in the verses before verse 11, he's writing this letter to the people saying basically that the Lord has brought them into captivity because of their disobedience to him and the wicked ways that they've been living. And that um, in the chapter before this, in chapter 28, there are people, um, there's a false prophet named Hananiah who tells the people that this is going to be a very like shortened period of captivity, like two years max. And then, the Lord is going to bring them out of this and, and make them better than ever. But the Lord tells the people through Jeremiah to shut out all these false prophets and all these people that are, are telling them lies because they think it's what they want to hear versus what they actually need to hear. And the only one who knows what they need to hear and knows what's going to happen is the Lord. And so he literally tells them, like, this isn't going to be a short stint. For those people that are that are older in the people of Israel, like this is this is going to be all you know for the rest of your life. 
Um, and like in, in uh, verse, the letter starts in verse four and the Lord is telling the people through the prophet Jeremiah that they need to get comfortable in their current situation because they're going to be in it for the long haul. And later on in, in verse 10, it says that they're going to be there for 70 years. Um, so definitely not the, the two years that the false prophet Hananiah was speaking of in the previous chapter. And um, he tells the people to pray for the people who have captured them. Like pray for these Babylonians who just came in and took them out of their land and brought them back to the land of Babylon. Pray for them. Pray for the prosperity of the city. And for those people, because if that that city and those people are prospering, they're going to the people of Israel are going to be prospering along with them. Uh, He also gives them warning of beware of false prophets, like as I was touching on with Hananiah, that they're telling the they're telling you lies. Um, They're not sent from the Lord and they're telling you what you think you want to hear. Like they're basically just trying to like fluff it up and avoid the truth of the situation. And then in verse 10 is where the Lord starts speaking of the delivery from this exile uh, in Babylon. But it's very interesting to read through this because this delivery only comes after the people have learned their lesson. Like the Lord has a purpose for this, this exile and only after that purpose is fulfilled will he then deliver them from, from the captivity that they're in. Um, and once like they, they're able to turn things around, then they realize that like they'll find the Lord. When they actively and purposefully, intentionally seek the Lord, they will find him. Not when they're you know, trying to get this this short workaround by going to these like fortune tellers and, and these false prophets to try and get their like short term, uh, like futures told, I guess that's the only way that I can kind of relate to it, um, based on things that like I know go on in the world nowadays. Um, but it's just really, really neat to see how sometimes like we might think like we can see a verse like this and think, God has such good intentions, but then when you look at the the context around it, it's like it's not just this super super fluffy promise from God. Like this is a a wholehearted lesson of you know you might be stuck in this period of of like exile and captivity, but the Lord is still there. He's still working working uh, on your side and working you through it, and he he's the one that has the plan. He's the one that knows exactly what's going on and how he's going to bring you through it. And through all of that, he tells you he's not going to harm you. And he has plans for your future. And there's hope for your future. And only then, when we understand that, like when we call on him in verse 12, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So it's not like this half-hearted effort in having a relationship with the Lord. And for me, like that kind of relates to my life. And, you know, faith isn't just one hour on a Sunday morning. Like 
it's the entire week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, like actively, intentionally, purposefully seeking that relationship with the Lord. And he says, when you do that, you'll find him. You will find him and he will take care of you. Yeah, that triggered a lot. <laughs> I, just wrote, I just wrote two things down that I hadn't even written down. Um, yeah, no, it's super, super good. The two things that made me think of, I just wrote down one super random book in the Old Testament that I've taken one thing away from ever. It's called Haggai, Minor Prophet. And it's this like a story of how these people of God, like, were commanded to rebuild the temple and then 20 years go by and God comes and asks them like, where's the temple essentially? And their response is that they like haven't had the time or the right circumstances. And then the Lord's response is like, but you've rebuilt all your old homes. You've rebuilt everything about your like city that you've refused. It's like, they claim they didn't have the lumber. They claimed all these things. Like you've refused to like you've put all those things before rebuilding the temple, the thing that I commanded you to, and so like yeah, I just think it's like so easy for us to like make those excuses that like like put God on the back burner and like figure our stuff out first, and then like and come to him and engage with him, and like the reality is that like perfect circumstances are never coming, um but like the promise like going off of like the context of that John 16:33 right tells us that like in this world you will have trouble it's not like you might it's you will have trouble but like take heart i have overcome the world and then John 10:10 10, 10 tells us the thief comes to kill steal and destroy but like that's a race car outside my window <laughs> John 10:10 10, 10 tells us like the thief comes to kill steal and destroy but like I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Like we are promised to walk through struggle, but then like the most beautiful part about it, which would be like the first that I would say is like the biggest promise that I have clung to. Also the promise that I have like struggled to believe the most in my life, just Psalm eighty four eleven, And it tells us that like no good thing to see withhold from those who walk uprightly. And like, so that means like the struggle I walk through is good. That means that like there's, it's just like so hard to believe honestly at times. Cause there are so many things that I've like looked at in my life and been like, I think that's a good thing. Lord, like in scripture, there's examples of this, like being a good thing yet. Like that blessing hasn't been brought into my life yet. Yet to like still believe that like for me, like right now our lives don't look the same. Like, people are called to different things and to like truly believe that like there is not a single good thing for my life that he's withheld from me. But like the only way, again, you talked about like seeking with your own heart, like the only way to ever live in any kind of belief in that promise is like to be actively seeking to know him. And so the other thing that I just wrote down or just like remembered is like a lot of people, it's Proverbs something <laughs> but like it's the verse that is acknowledge him in all your ways and he will like make your path straight but like the root of that word like it's a prefix of the ack or whatever i have no idea what that part means but like the root of the word acknowledge is the word no in like the greek 
uh, or in the Hebrew. And like the first place that it's used in scripture is Genesis 4.1, where it tells us that Adam knew Eve and she conceived a child. Like in the most intimate act that we can think of as humans, like a father and mother coming together to have a child, like that level of acknowledging him. Like that's where our paths are made straight. Not in just like we read the word acknowledge and like I can look in the corner of my room and like acknowledge that there's a door there. I know that it's there, but like I don't actually know anything about it. But like the word acknowledge is not some light, just being aware of it. It is like a deep, deep intimacy that we are called into. And it's like in seeking that, like that's where no good thing is withheld. Like that's where we can actually walk in believing that promise. And like that's where we can actually walk in believing that like trials and tribulations are for good and like that's where we can walk knowing that like he makes our paths straight because it's in that place that like our hearts actually align with his rather than like competing for what we want versus like what he has for us man andrew you always got like you just <laughs> spout off all these verses that you like every time someone says anything it's like oh yeah that that verse yep that verse and i love that i love that you you always bring that to the table i hope someday i i can have that bible dictionary up in my head like you do <laughs> but i'm so glad that you you brought up like it's not an if we have these struggles it's a when and when you were talking about that it brought me to i think it's a psalm where um the lord tells like even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like it doesn't say if, like if you're going through hard times, if you're going through this dark valley, it's, it's when, it's gonna happen. Like at some point in your life, it's gonna happen. And when it does, he's gonna be there with you and he's gonna pull you out the other side. Yeah, I heard, uh, you go ahead, Zaya. I'll talk about go for it. Okay. So far, I can I remember. <laughs> this one will be short, I promise. <laughs> I'm good to go. I heard a really cool sermon on that one time um, that was comparing whatever psalm that is, and there's another psalm that talks about God hiding us under the shadow of his wing. And like we're told that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Not through the valley of death. And so like he just posed this question of like maybe the valley just simply looks so dark because like he is so near and you're like under the shadow of his wing. Um, I thought that was just like a super beautiful way to like tie those two passages into each other. Dude, that's super interesting. I've never heard, like, I've never heard that kind of take on it. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I'll have to look into that more now. See, this is why I love this. It's like <laughs> one of us can it's read like, a, a passage and then someone else brings something completely new to the table. And I was like, oh, I gotta go back to that. Like I thought I had a grasp on it, but <laughs> Nope. <laughs> but then going off the trials, pretty much when I was doing my Bible study, I didn't leave I didn't talk about this last Thursday or Thursday. That Christians actually go through a fire per se, which is the trial that we go through in life. And that's just God's way of purifying us and refining us to be more like him or being more like be more of the salt and light of the earth. So that's our fire that we go through. Our trials are our fire. Like there's I forgot which scripture it says but it said like salt fire. Like that's what it says in that verse, but you can't find it right now. <laughs> Shout out Stephanie Gretzinger, refiner. Great <laughs> hey. song. Yeah. It's that such a great, great song. song. Mm. 
Oh, I love that, man. Andrew, you want to you wanna share with us uh, your, your passage for this week about promises? Yeah, well, I shared a lot of them. <laughs> the Psalm 8411 one is for sure like the biggest one um, in my life. But like I think a huge piece of like what does it look like to truly believe that he doesn't withhold anything good then like ties back into just it's not really a promise. But I, I just always like I can never read that verse without automatically thinking about the man whose son was sick. And he says, like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so, like, just the freedom that we get to walk in and knowing, like, it is okay to wrestle and it is okay to, like, doubt. I think people get really scared of the word, like, doubting. But, like, I think I've probably shared on here before, but, like, biblically, faith and doubt aren't opposites. Faith and sight are opposites. Like, faith isn't an absence of doubt. It's like a willingness to stand on a promise, even when we, like, we don't see evidence for it. And so like that is something I would love to share is that like it is okay to wrestle with believing these promises wholeheartedly. Like I would argue that it is almost necessary because it's really easy like to read something like he doesn't withhold anything good. Like it is really easy to read that and just like, oh yeah, I believe that. But like if we really like are genuine about like if we believe that, it is really hard to believe that there is not a single good thing in my life that he has like ever withheld from me. Like that's not a light statement. Like that is a huge statement of like faith and having to stand on it when like, there's not total evidence of it. Um, and so, yeah, that is like the biggest thing. Um, I think if there was any like one verse in scripture, I think that he doesn't withhold anything good. would be the one I cling to the most. Um, there's a few others on just like identity Ephesians 1 5 is one place, but there's like multiple places. It's in Romans as well. It talks about the fact that like we are adopted into the family as sons and daughters. And like the context behind that is even like further, um, like from I don't know, our societal view of it is like a little different. It was like a big thing in like the Roman culture that like they had to like make an incentive to adopt children. And so the incentive they made was that like, if you adopted a child, all debt that they had like accrued in life was instantly gone. Like the new family never had to pay for it, anything like that, debt was just gone in adoption. And so just like, what beautiful like imagery and the fact that like we are adopted into family and that like every debt that we owed is gone because of Jesus and like we've been adopted into this family. And so like that has always been a huge idea and verse for me on identity is just the fact of like being adopted and all debt being gone um on the like prayer side of things is another one um that's truthfully pretty tied to holy spirit i shared earlier about zaya actually brought it up like the fact that holy spirit intercedes but then in hebrews 4 something <laughs> hebrews 4 something we're told to like approach the throne with confidence like that we may receive mercy and like grace and like what does it mean to pray in a way that is bold and confident and like how we approached God, not just like some fairy like up in the sky, but like as a father who genuinely like cares, doesn't withhold anything good from us can be like moved by our hearts. I mean, we see in like 
the passage that I probably point to the most is like first miracle wine or water into wine. Like Jesus says, it's not my time yet. Mary's like, Hey, you need to turn water into wine. Jesus says, or then Jesus says, it's not my time yet. Mary acts like he's going to do it. And then like he does it, which like, I don't understand the full tension between like he's fully sovereign, but also like moved by our hearts. And the answer is like, yes, it's both of those. Um, I don't think I'll ever fully grasp how those are both happening at the same time. Because that, like that passage implies that like there was a time appointed for Jesus to reveal his glory. And like it changes because of like Mary's, like how Jesus's heart is moved for Mary in that moment. It's like, what does it look like to pray with confidence, knowing like that that is the kind of father we have. And then I think a huge thing that I have just like learned in life is like with that confidence, like these promises that we have, like there's a huge difference between declaring a promise in prayer versus asking for something that's already been promised. I know I've shared this, like the example I give the most, I know I've shared this with at least Micah. It's like we have the pastor that tells us we're two or two or more gathered. Like there I am also like how many times have you like sat at a worship gathering or something like that? And people like ask for God to be present when like the reality is like, we don't have to ask for that. Like that is something that we can, like something that has been promised to us in scripture is something that like we can declare. And so like the thing we have to pray for in that moment is not like, God, would you be present? It's like, God, you are here. Would you give us eyes to simply just like get off of ourselves and see you for who you are in this moment? Um, and so I think that is just like a huge part of what it means to like pray in confidence and boldness is to declare things that we've been promised rather than asking for things that like he has already given to us. That would be like, <laughs> I don't know, random. like if Micah gave me a car, like that would be like me asking Micah to give me a car when like he's already like, I already have it. And so like, <laughs> like far more than asking for something like that, our, our hearts should be like, thankfulness for what has already been promised rather than like like just as i should be like thanking micah that he gave me a car rather than asking him to give me a car when he already gave me a car like (laughs) our hearts should be thankful in confidence and boldness and declaring promises not asking for something that's already been given that's so good dude the uh praying boldly and i guess i don't want to jump into to prayer too much um, because I know we're, we, we want to dive into that deeper at a later time. But praying boldly is something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. And one thing that's helped me is just go into the Gospels, look at the example that Jesus sets for us. And like even Jesus, who knew exactly what was going to happen throughout his life, like he's God, he knows everything. The night before he's crucified, he's praying in the garden. He's asking God, he's asking the Father, if there's any other way, let it happen. But not my will, but your will be done. It's like he knows what's going to happen, but he, he's bringing it to the Lord. And he, he's the perfect example, literally. Yeah. Second thing on that is I've been working through and reading through the book um dangerous prayers by i think it's by craig groeschel super interesting book super interesting like spin on how he took his 
for lack of better words, like boring and mundane, easy prayer life to this dangerous, bold and daring, daring uh, life of prayer before the Lord. So I would highly recommend that, even though I'm not even done with it yet, but would highly recommend it. I think, Zaya, you you said you've worked through that, haven't you? Or was it someone mm, else? Not, not that one. I'll be with someone else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could share a lot on prayer, but I'll withhold. <laughs> Save it for a later date. We will definitely yeah. be touching on that. That's for sure. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't know if y'all have any others. I have one last one. I found the scripture with the salt fire. All right, let's hear it's it. In, it's Mark 9, 49, and I'll read 50 also. And 49 says, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it make it salty again? Have salt among yourself and be at peace with each other. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Andrew. That. Oh, no. go ahead. Go ahead. I'll share my effort. That's real quick. I've heard that described. It's just like, like how real that verse is though. of talking about like being refined by a fire. Like, I don't remember where the heck it was, but it was somebody talking about like, Oh, I went on this like month long mission trip when I was like 18. Like that has to be something that makes it through the fire. Right. And then he just like stood there and he was like, yeah, but then I thought about like the reality of it. And like my heart and going on that trip was simply because like, I really liked the girl who was going on that trip and like, super awesome things came from it but like my heart and my motives in that were not pure like that is not just because it like appears good on the outside like does not mean that it is like something that like gets through that refining fire like it is all about like where our hearts are at in what we're doing um but the last thing that i was going to share is just like out of the great commission like matthew 28 starts in 16 goes to the end of the chapter through i think it's verse 20 like we all like hear the great commission and then it finishes by saying like, and I will be with you always. But like the promise, like the context of that promise is not just like, Oh, God's going to be with me. Like whatever I do, no matter where I'm at, like his promised presence with us always is like in the context of going and fulfilling the great commission. Like it's not just some like fluffy feel good promise but like it is in the context of like going like that is where he will be constantly advocating and always with us like not just in like moping around and being lazy and like waiting for things to happen like which again like we're told to wait on holy spirit but like that can get abused really easily and just turned into like well god's gonna like come down on lightning for me to like actually step into anything in life when the reality is like we are called to walk with an awareness and like eyes to look for he's moving and to simply join him and it's like in the joining him that we're promised that he's with us always not just in like waiting for perfect circumstances we're gonna go ahead and close out this week's episode uh, with another segment of the word of the week and the word that i'm bringing this week actually ties really well into a couple of the things that you both touched on earlier in talking about the holy spirit and talking about how when we become a part of God's family, like we're made new, we're cleansed, completely washed of everything uh, in our past. And so we're going to be looking at the story of the conversion of Paul. And Paul is a major writer in the Bible. He wrote a lot of books in the New Testament. But before he did that, 
he was actually on the complete opposite side uh, of things and was a huge persecutor of Christians, uh, did everything in his power to try to bring down the Christian church and um, to take down people that, that believed in Christ. Um, so Paul's conversion story is in Acts chapter 9. Um, but Paul, so basically Paul was not a follower of Jesus at all. Uh, instead, he, like I said, he spent his days persecuting people who followed Jesus. Um, and it wasn't until years after Jesus' death and resurrection that Paul was on the road to Damascus and he had this supernatural, supernatural encounter with Jesus that changed his life, his life forever. And I think the framework of this story really enhances the phrase where the spirit of the Lord is, which we find in second Corinthians chapter three, verse 17, where it says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Um, so Andrew, as you were talking about with becoming a part of God's family, like because like Paul was living, like Paul's this living example of where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom from everything that was holding you down in the past. Um, and we see this radical change in Paul going from this, the biggest, like one of the biggest persecutors of Christians to this huge influence in the, the early Christian church and the writer of a lot of the books that we, we see in the new Testament. Um, and so my encouragement here for this word is that if the spirit of the Lord can work in someone like Paul and radically change his life in, in that way, just think how much he can do with you when you actively purposefully intentionally seek the Lord. Yeah. And that real quick add to that makes me think of like why the gospel we are told is that like we were made a new creation, like we were dead and now we're alive. That like the gospel is not I was bad and now I'm good. It is I was dead and now I'm alive. Like the father is not in the business of like cleaning people up and making them presentable. He's in the business as ridiculous and harsh as like crazy as it might sound of like literally killing you to yourself so that like Christ can live in us. Like we are called to go from being dead to alive, not just like we're made slightly better and more moral. And I think tying into your, what you were talking about earlier with identity, Andrew, um, like when you are in Christ, like you are not the sins that you've committed. Um, you're not the labels that the world has thrown at you. Like when you follow Jesus, you're forgiven and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and you're free as we were seeing in that passage in Second Corinthians, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I totally didn't realize that this word was going to tie into so many things that we already talked about tonight, which is, which is super cool. The Holy Spirit's working. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's going to do it for us this week, everyone. Thanks for tuning in once again to the More Than a Mission podcast. We will see you guys next week. See ya. <laughs> we want to thank you for listening to More Than a Mission. For more information and to keep up with our ministries, follow us on social media at More Than a Mission Podcast 
or email us directly at morethanamission@outlook.com. at outlook.com.